Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Hey, Cricket customers. Max with ads is included with your Cricket $60 unlimited plan at no additional cost. Nice! Max is the streaming platform where you can watch Scoob, Meg 2 The Trench, The Nightmare on Elm Street Collection, and so much more. Remember me. Just log in with your Cricket username and password to experience Max on all your favorite devices. We've never seen this before. Max, the one to watch for a good scream with Cricket. Yeah! Phone plan, streams, and standard definition. Programming subject to change. Fees, terms, and restrictions apply. See cricketwireless.com for details. It's Tuesday, August 16th, 2022. I'm Jackson Bird. Today, the team trying to bring back the woolly mammoth from extinction is doing a trial run with Tasmanian tigers funded in part by the Hemsworth brothers. Plus, NASA's mega rocket that will return humans to the moon and perhaps one day take humans to Mars has begun its four-mile journey to the launch pad, readying for its uncrewed journey around the moon later this month and a new breakfast cereal from snoop dog here's some cool stuff for your ride home Last year, I mentioned the company that's trying to bring the woolly mammoth back from extinction, and they're still working on that, but as a potentially easier first step, they've just announced that they are working on de-extincting the thylacine, sometimes called the Tasmanian tiger. Colossal Biosciences, which officially launched last year with a $15 million seed round by sometimes controversial Harvard geneticist George Church and UFO enthusiast Ben Lamb, believes bringing back extinct species in some form will help rewild ecosystems and combat the climate crisis. They are specific to note that these are not the exact same species. Vice calls them proxy species, with genetically edited DNA to distinguish them from their forebears. As Lamb adds, quote, Our goal in anything is to get as genetically close as possible. We want something that'll have the right phenotypes, but also be in the environment and fill the ecological void that was previously lost. We've been very bullish on saying that we are not trying to create an identical species or create an exact clone because we don't have living cells. You can't really bring back a mammoth or bring back a thylacine, but you can engineer one, end quote. And how do you engineer one? Well, referring to the mammoth specifically, Ars Technica explains, quote, The general approach Colossal lays out for the mammoth is straightforward, even if the details are extremely complex. There are plenty of samples of mammoth tissue from which we can obtain at least partial genomes, which can then be compared to its closest relatives, the elephants, to find key differences distinct to the mammoth lineage. Thanks to gene editing technology, key differences can be edited into the genome of an elephant stem cell, essentially mammoth 
mammothifying the elephant cells. A bit of IVF later, and we'll have a shaggy beast ready for the subarctic steppes. End quote. As simple as it can all be laid out, there are many details and potential pitfalls at every step of the process. When Church and Lamb first began the project, elephant stem cells had not been created, gene editing had not advanced enough, and there's still a question of whether elephants' reproductive systems would be receptive to the IVF methods deployed. Plus, there are ethical questions about using the elephants in this way. Oh, and the gestation period is 22 months long, so no matter when they get started, we'll have to wait about two years to see if a viable baby mammoth can really survive. So, Colossal was looking for another species, perhaps with a shorter gestation timeline and a few other advantages over the mammoth, and enter the thylacine and particularly a research project at the University of Melbourne that was already working on a thylacine de-extinction project with similar methods to Colossal. The Melbourne venture is called the Thylacine Integrated Genomic Restoration Research Lab, or cleverly for the so-nicknamed Tasmanian tigers, Tigger. Thylacines, for all their comparisons to both tigers and wolves, were actually marsupials, with stiff, long tails and abdominal pouches like kangaroos. They were native to the Australian mainland as well as the islands of Tasmania and New Guinea. Several factors may have led to their extinction over the years, including competition from other predators, environmental changes, and disease. But there's no doubt that humans contributed to their ultimate extinction as well. In the early 20th century, hunting and either killing the thylacines or forcing them into captivity was common. One reason was that they were being accused of attacking sheep, so then bounties were established to keep the thylacine population in check, and with them becoming so rare, people then wanted to view them in zoos, but in zoos they often succumbed to illness. By the mid-1930s, the very last thylacine had passed away. As Ars Technica points out, because the thylacine went extinct so recently, we actually have ample photographs and even film footage of them, which is a slightly odd thing to think about when it comes to fully extinct species. In any case, Colossal and Tigger are hoping for success in de-extincting a proxy version of the thylacine in the coming years, believing that reintroducing the thylacine will help restore degraded ecosystems in Tasmania and other parts of Australia. Rewilding efforts have been growing in popularity in recent years, like the reintroduction of wolves in Yellowstone here in the U.S. and the 2020 rewilding of Tasmanian devils on mainland Australia. That last effort was led by Aussie Ark, the Global Wildlife Conservation, Wild Ark, and Chris Hemsworth. Yes, Thor actor Chris Hemsworth. He, along with his brothers Luke and Liam, and Wild Ark, have also invested in this thylacine de-extinction effort. Chris Hemsworth said in a colossal press release today, quote, Our family remains dedicated to supporting conservationist efforts around the world, and protecting Australia's biodiversity is a high priority. The Tassie Tiger's extinction had a devastating effect on our ecosystem, and we're thrilled to support the revolutionary conservation efforts that are being made by Dr. Pask and the entire colossal team. End quote. 
The thylacine has a decent chance at proving just as effective at rewilding efforts as the Tasmanian devils or the wolves in Yellowstone, since they went extinct less than a century ago. The ecosystem, at least in Tasmania, isn't too different, lacking few new invasive species compared to the 1930s. Though Ars Technica wonders if an animal with slight genetic edits, and which ends up being fostered by other species, will actually perform in the same ways its forebears did pre-extinction. Andrew Pask from Tigger believes so, telling the outlet that many of those behaviors tend to be hardwired in animals. But a bigger question mark remains around the woolly mammoth, and whether it would actually help any rewilding efforts in the subarctic ecosystems, given how vastly different that land is compared to at the end of the last glacial period. Now, a lot of these bigger questions and challenges around the woolly mammoth is part of why Colossal is now starting with a much smaller and more recently extinct animal species, even though so many questions remain around it, too. Thanks to all the photographic and film evidence, and more crucially, museum samples, it's easier for the teams to learn more about the thylacine and tap those samples for genomes to help get a sense of genetic diversity. But some unique hurdles for thylacine de-extinction include the fact that no one has ever made marsupial stem cells or cloned a marsupial before. We have done so with placental mammals, a slight edge here for the mammoth. And the thylacine doesn't have very close relatives, like the mammoth to the elephant. The teams have therefore identified the Dunart as a possible foster parent carrying the thylacines in their pouch. But while a full-grown thylacine is roughly the size of a medium-sized dog, a Dunart is about the size of a small rat. The thylacines would fit in the pouch because marsupials are born about halfway through embryogenesis and then develop rest of the way in a pouch, and at that stage thylacines are actually tiny enough they could fit in a Dunart's pouch, but not for the entire time needed, so an artificial pouch or larger marsupials may need to step in. And even as its closest living relative, Dunart's still diverged from the thylacine lineage several million years ago, so there will be some additional genome editing that needs to be done. So there are a lot of challenges to overcome and problems to solve, but they all seem a bit more manageable compared to the, well, colossal task of de-extincting the woolly mammoth. You know, we're talking about a more recently extinct, more familiar species and one whose gestation period is just a few weeks instead of almost two years. Even if it might be equally unlikely, the experimentation phase, at least, is more doable. But even if they don't successfully de-extinct the mammoth one day, or even the thylacine sooner, Ars Technica points out that all the work they put into trying to will lead to huge progress in our ability to do high-throughput, low-error genome editing to manipulate stem cells and clone a wider range of animals. The mammoth idea gets a lot of people excited, and maybe it's what brings in the funding for them, making the other efforts and breakthroughs possible. Maybe one day George Church's John Hammond-style dreams of a woolly mammoth roaming the mammoth steppe will actually come true. But, I don't know, every few months I hear about some new kind of hyped-up project from this company, so I think for now I am in a cautious, believe-it-when-I-see-it kind of space.
Well, it seems like it is really finally happening. Artemis 1 will launch into space this month, or at least a few days later in the early September launch windows if weather prohibits the first launch window of August 29th. But after so many years of delays, it's pretty exciting to see the final preparation steps being taken. Specifically, today, the rocket is being moved, very slowly and carefully, from the vehicle assembly building down to the launch pad where it will wait 13 days for that first launch window, kicking off humanity's return to the moon after half a century away. NASA is live-streaming the rollout, which Artemis 1 mission leaders have been referring to as the first four miles of NASA's return to the moon. The live stream kicked off this afternoon on NASA's Kennedy Space Center YouTube channel, but appears to mostly just be a relatively static exterior view of the vehicle assembly building until rollout actually begins at 9 p.m. Eastern. And as exciting and impressively complex as rollout is, it won't make for the most entertaining live stream. The four-mile journey will be undertaken at just one mile an hour, and Space.com says the whole process will take about eight hours. Compare that to the Orion capsule's expected return to Earth's atmosphere at 32 times the speed of sound. But hey, with the promise of such achievements and a $4 billion launch price, you don't want to mess it up just getting to the launch pad, so one mile an hour sounds just fine. And if the slow live footage isn't quite your thing, NASA is also celebrating this milestone with the release of the first installment in a new series called Path to the Pad, which documents the assembly process for the Space Launch System, or SLS, rocket. The 13-minute documentary is available on the agency's YouTube channel, link in the show notes. And as a reminder about this mission from Mashable, quote, It's been a long time since NASA had a rocket of this magnitude, capable of sending heavy loads of cargo and astronauts into deep space. Not only is the 32-story, 5.75-million-pound rocket, officially known as the Space Launch System, built to travel to the moon, it's expected to one day send the first crewed flight to Mars. Robotic scientific journeys to Saturn and Jupiter also could be in its future. Artemis I, the first in a series of planned voyages named after the Greek goddess and twin of Apollo, is a more than $4 billion launch to fly the Orion capsule farther than any spacecraft built for humans has ever flown. Though this test mission won't include astronauts, the 42-day spaceflight will allow the United States to send a crew on the next, more complex mission, Artemis II. The first moonwalk of a woman and person of color is expected to happen during Artemis III, planned for around 2026. End quote. And even though I've been talking about the Artemis program ad nauseum on this podcast, the closer we get to this launch actually happening, the more I'm starting to see the general public learn about NASA's return to the moon for the first time. Mainstream outlets and NASA themselves have been hyping the news afresh, and it's pretty exciting to start seeing the early whispers of renewed moon mania. And even though, again, we won't have boots down on the moon for several more years, even if everything goes to plan, those lunar explorers will at least have a brand new map to reference when they get there. Chinese scientists last month debuted the most detailed map of the moon ever, which they had been working on for the past decade. Hundreds of researchers working with data collected by Chinese orbiters, landers, and rovers since 2004 collaborated to create this map with twice as detailed resolution 
resolution as the existing standard released by the U.S. Geological Survey in 2020. This map shows 12,341 impact craters, 81 impact basins, 17 rock types, and 14 different types of structures. Universe Today says, quote, it's difficult to overstate how detailed the map is, end quote. The lunar map available to view on Science Data Bank has plans to be published in both Chinese and English by the Geological Publishing House after being proofed. The accompanying paper says the map will be crucial in future lunar research as well as exploration planning and landing site selection. And you can check out the map for yourself at the link in the show notes. Snoop Dogg, in addition to being a prolific rapper and hip-hop artist, has been a serial entrepreneur for many years. Launching his own cannabis product line, Leafs by Snoop, a weed news site called Mary Jane, that's M-E-R-R-Y, as well as Indogo, in appropriately juicy gin, in esports league, and much more. And today, he has announced the latest in the lineup from his broadest breakfast food company, a sugary cereal called Snoop Loops. They look kind of like Fruit Loops, but apparently have marshmallows in them too, and they are gluten-free to boot. With bright colors and some kind of blue dog-looking mascot, they're definitely aimed at kids, but I think we know who a huge secondary audience will be for these munchies. In addition to Snoop Loops, Broadus Food has a whole line of syrup, grits, pancake mix, and oatmeal named after Snoop's late mother. And every purchase from Broadus Foods supports a door of hope, an LA-based Christian nonprofit providing resources to families experiencing houselessness. Snoop Dogg's announcement post said that they would be taking over grocery stores soon, so you might be able to find a box in a store near you. But that is it from me for today. This show was produced by Ride Home Media. I'm Jackson Bird, and I'll talk to you again tomorrow. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.